Hey, this is Miles Hunter. I'm the pastor of TC3 Students, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message helps you connect to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ and gives you the courage to live out your faith in your homes, schools, and community. Enjoy today's message. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see, he lives in you. give it up for the Lion King. Who likes the Lion King? Be honest. Yes. Best movie ever. I feel like we couldn't do this without having a Lion King reference. Uh, So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Janae. Hello. I'm married to this one who crawled creepily across the floor during the Lion King clip. Um, But okay, I'm going to start off with a question, guys. Um, Have any of you guys ever been in a fun house? You know, those like really creepy carnival fun houses. Anybody? Yeah. Was there one at the fair? Yes. Okay. I feel like every fair has like a really, really sketch fun house and it always ends with like a slide. So when I was a kid, I loved these fun houses. So basically my favorite part of these fun houses was like the little glass mirror rooms. You know what I'm talking about? Not the mirror, not the mirrors, the glass where you would like, it was amazing, you'd go through. And I kind of liked it as a kid because I tried to see how fast I could go through and I'd always hit a wall. (laughs) And I thought that was funny. Um, So that was the part I liked, but a part that I didn't like, that I hated consistently about every fun house and every fun house has these rooms are the mirror rooms. And the mirror rooms, they're like, they're pretty creepy. You walk in front of one mirror and it's like, you're like a a blob and you're really short. And then you walk in front of another mirror and you're like zigzagged. And then you walk in front of another one and you're like super tall and you're an alien. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the other kids would wanna like hang out in this room. I did not, I didn't like it. I would just walk by really, really quickly. Um, Honestly, I think, yeah, it was creepy. You know, there was like the OG phone filters before we had phone filters. Um, But also I think I hated them because they distorted my image to a point that I didn't like it. So I knew that like the version of me staring back didn't actually depict me, but I kind of thought that maybe it resembled me in some way. So maybe, maybe I actually was like a little bit like that ugly, or maybe, maybe my nose was that big, or maybe, I don't know, maybe I I was fat. I don't know all the different things. I was like, maybe, maybe I, these images are actually me in some degree. And so I thought maybe this distorted image resembled me in some way. So why do I bring this story up? I think if we're all honest, every single person in this room, if we get down to the nitty gritty and we look at ourselves and we look at who we are and our identities, I think that we all view ourselves with this distorted perspective. So it might not be a funhouse mirror, but it might be through the lens of how everyone looks on social media or how everything's photoshopped on social media. Or 
It might be through the lens of expectations placed on us by others, by our parents, by our friends, or even by ourselves. Sometimes we're toughest on ourselves. Or it might be through a people-pleasing perspective, or maybe it's through a perfectionist perspective. We define ourselves with all of these labels and the world throws all these things at us and it tries to tell us who we are and who we are and it distorts who we are and how we see ourselves. So we're starting this new series called Mirror Mirror where we will dive into our identity and what it means that we are image bearers of God. So I will get back to that clip of good old Simba in a little bit, but hang on to that because that's going to be really, really important. So tonight we're going to focus on what it means that we are each made in God's image. What does that even mean? I've heard that a million times growing up in church. I was like, cool, I'm made in God's image. Like I didn't know what that meant. So we're going to basically dive into what that means and how that's lived out in a world that is constantly feeding us all these distorted images of how we should view ourselves. So we'll learn that identity is less about who we are and is more about who God is. So what is this mere concept and how in the world does this relate to identity? So in 2 Corinthians 3.18, you guys can look on your version app or it's gonna be on the screen right behind me. It says, all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is a spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So what does this verse mean? What is that veil that's talking about? What is this? So this verse is talking about something that happened way back in the Old Testament. This happened in Exodus 34. And it's talking about this meeting that happened when Moses actually met with God. Now, when Moses met with God, he couldn't actually meet with him face to face because God is just that glorious and insane. So Moses literally had to kind of like hide in the crack of a mountain and God's like, I'll pass by and you can see my back. And so after this meeting happened and Moses literally talked with God, which is so cool, basically his face, Moses' face shone so brightly and so powerfully reflected God's glory and his radiance that he had to cover his face with a veil before he even talked to the Israelites. Those were God's people. He had to protect them from even the reflection of God's glory, which is crazy. So Basically, they had to be protected and veiled from God's glory and his presence with them. But now, you and I, we don't have that anymore because God removed that veil. He tore it down between himself and us through Jesus. So now we can be in God's presence. We can experience his glory as he's revealed it through us to us through Jesus Christ. And now we don't need to cover up our face after time with him. After I spend time with Jesus, I don't need to be like, all right, got to put a veil on before I go see anybody. No, I can go out into the world and reflect like a mirror reflects the sunlight, God's glory to everybody around me. And all those who see me should see Jesus reflected in me. So, what does it mean exactly that we're made in his image? What does that mean? So if you lived in ancient Bible times, it's not this way anymore. Some, some places around the world it is, but odds are you lived under the authority of a king. So many of these kings claimed that they were gods or even they would even call themselves, I am the image of God, meaning that they had to, the authority to tell people what to do and they ordered people what to do and they would do it and they got to decide, okay, this is good. I define what's good and evil. Now, these kings would often make statues of themselves 
and it would be in their image. And these statues were called selim, which is a Hebrew root, which means idol or image. So often they would set up these images of themselves in like far parts of their kingdom. So if they're like, crib was over here, they would like set up a statue way over there. So the people over there knew, hey, yo, I'm in charge. Like this is my land. Like you know who's in charge. So when people looked at that image of them, they would understand, oh, this part, we're, we're under the authority of the king here. So one king that did this that you guys all might be familiar with was King Nebuchadnezzar. Who knows King Nebuchadnezzar? You guys remember? We'll call him King Neb. So, because Nebuchadnezzar is like, whew, that's a long name, man. All right, so this is in the book of Daniel. King Neb, this guy made a statue, and scholars think it was of himself, an image of himself that was over 90 feet tall. And basically, he's made everyone come and worship this statue. He's like, yo, come worship this image of me. It's going to be great. It's going to serve as a reminder. Hey, I'm your ruler. I'm your king. Like, I'm in charge. But if you all know the story, there are three dudes who refused to bow down before the statue. And those dudes, a little bit spoiler, they were thrown into a fiery furnace, but God actually protected them and they didn't burn up. Really cool story. Read it if you haven't read it in Daniel. So basically, everybody else bowed down to these images of kings, but Israel, God's chosen people, they didn't view their kings as God. So this was really unique in this time and this culture because every other culture viewed their king as their God or their serving the images of these gods. So the reason why is Israel first believed that, man, we can't make creator God and put him into one thing in creation. We can't do that. We can't make like a, him out of stone and put him down to one thing because God is just so vast and so big. But another reason, and this one I want to focus on more in particular, people aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. And that's us. We are God's image way back in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, God makes us mankind and he makes us in his image. We are the ones who are the image bearers of God, not some statue or anything like that. We are, and we're supposed to represent that wherever we go. So we are created in God's image so that we can literally represent God. When people look at us, they see God, kind of like a foreign ambassador from another country. When they go from one country to another, they are basically taking the authority from that country and bringing it into this country. So let's say, I don't know, the ambassador of France shows up in the United States today. The ambassador of France is showing up here. He is bringing the authority of France with him. He is representing France and the morals and everything that France stands for here in the United States. He even speaks for France in some regards. So that is why, that is how we represent the authority of God. So God even calls us his ambassadors. And that's on this verse coming up on the screen. First Corinthians 5.20, it says, so we are God's, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So AKA, we represent God, we are his ambassadors, and we represent the gospel wherever we go. So one of the most famous ambassadors ever is actually a brand ambassador. And uh, his picture is gonna come up on the screen, five points if you can yell out his name. 
Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm not too old. You guys know, thank you, I appreciate it. So fun fact, my first two words as a kid were Michael Jordan together. Yep, my babysitter was a really big fan. So Michael Jordan is actually the OG brand ambassador. He is the original brand ambassadors before there was like all these things on Instagram where it's like, you're a brand ambassador, you know, and like sell this, I don't know, moisturizer, all the things, I don't know what it is. Anyway, so here's the deal. In the early 80s, three different shoe companies reached out to this guy. Adidas, Nike, and do you guys know the other one? Converse, believe it or not, didn't know that. All right, so these three shoe brands were after Jordan. They wanted him to be their brand ambassador to represent them. So believe it or not, Jordan had never ever worn a pair of Nikes in his entire life. And he wasn't even a fan. His favorite shoe was actually Adidas. And so he wanted to sign with Adidas. He didn't even think about Nike's offer when Nike wanted to sign him because he wanted so badly to be signed with his favorite shoe. But then, like all good moms do, he was, she's like, yo, yo, you gotta like listen, listen to Nike. Like listen to this deal, it's pretty sick. So he listened to the deal and he was like, okay, all right, I think I'm gonna sign with Nike. So he was convinced and Nike decided, get this, to spend all of its marketing budget on Jordan. This is crazy. They offered him a five-year deal worth $500,000 annually plus royalties. And I know that seems like, come on, but that, that was a lot of money back then. We're talking the 80s here. I don't think most of us weren't alive. Some of us were. Um, and so this was five times more than any NBA superstar at the time. Five times more. It was a lot of money. So Nike also offered him their, his signature shoe line, which was something that Adidas didn't even think about. Jordans, yay, we all Jordans. All right, so Adidas was actually still in the race though because Adidas was Jordan's favorite shoe. So if Adidas would have matched what Nike matched when they were signing Jordan, if they would have matched what they put on the table, Michael would have actually teamed up with them but Adidas missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime, literally. And this is known as one of the worst business decisions of the last 60 years. Adidas missed out. Nike signed Jordan and just this last year, just this last year in the United States alone, the Jordan shoe brand, how much you guys wanna guess they made in wholesale like revenue? It is $3.6 billion last year in just the United States alone, just the Jordan shoe brand, not even the rest of Nike's, insane. So Adidas missed out on one of the most successful business deals of a lifetime because, and this is in Michael Jordan's own words, they didn't feel it was worth it. Crazy, right? So now, Michael Jordan and Nike are so intertwined, you can't even really think of one without the other. Jordan has literally become the brand in Jordans. You cannot separate Jordans and Jordan. You literally cannot. He has literally become the brand and he represents Nike and more specifically the Jordan USU brand wherever he goes. That brand follows him every single place he sets foot and he cannot part from it. It's the same for us guys. It's the same for us. When we decide to give our lives to Jesus, we suddenly become his ambassadors, just like Michael Jordan became Nike's brand ambassador. Everywhere we go, we rep him. His name and our name are inseparable. 
People look at us and they see him. His name is on our jersey, whether we are at home, interacting with our family and our siblings, whether we are in the classroom, whatever you say to your teachers or behind your teacher's backs, to your friends, when you're on the sports field, when you're on stage, all of these things, even when you're in secret, you represent him wherever you go. The craziest thing is that when we, you and I sign, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, he paid for that deal in the most priceless payment ever. More priceless than any, any dollar amount. It was his own blood that he paid for this deal. And the reward is way better, way better than $3.6 billion revenue just last year. It is eternity of never ending joy, peace, richness, and reigning with him in heaven. And something that, that I've heard, I've heard this a lot recently, is people being like, ah, oh, am I gonna be like bored in heaven? Like, am I just gonna be sitting there like on a cloud, like with little wings, like a little harp? No, absolutely not. Like, I don't know where that comes from. Heaven is going to be the sickest party ever. I don't think y'all understand that. Like, there'll be literally things we have never even seen beyond our imagination. We will be fellowshipping in joy and perfect peace and relationships like we have never even experienced before here on earth because sin has corrupted everything. God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth where literally we will get to like explore this massive heaven and earth with Christ and all of the church in perfect harmony. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a lifetime of an eternity of awesomeness. And that is the sweetest ambassador deal ever that God has signed for us in his own blood. Our job is simply to represent him and to represent him well wherever we go. We must realize that how you and I act and the choices that we make always, always create an impact. I used to hear this phrase from a mentor. He said, you don't sin in a vacuum. None of us sin in a vacuum, AKA our sin, our behavior, our choices, they always, always make an impact and they always affect someone and always give those around us an example of who we are representing. Are we representing ourselves or are we representing God? When we are who we are designed to be, others will be able to look at us and they will see something of God in us. They'll see his love, his kindness, and his goodness. Like a mirror, we are a direct reflection of God to those around us. It's kind of like that video, right? When Simba looks into the water, what reflects back up, what comes back up is the image of his father. We are that reflection of the father to those around us. So I ask you, when people look at you, do they see peace? Do they see peace? Like ask yourself these honestly as you're sitting there. Or do they see worry and stress? Do they see joy when they look at you? Or do they see negativity? Do they see complaining? Do they see you always talking crap about other people when you can? Do they see selflessness when they look at you? Are you defined by that? Or do they see self-centeredness? Do they see pride? Does your ego, E-G-O, edging God out, get in the way? Do they see a giving spirit and a heart of a servant that's willing to serve whenever? Or do they see laziness and like somebody else can just get that? What do people see when they look at you? 
Guys, uh, this is not a one-time thing. This isn't like a, well, I accepted Jesus at camp and so I'm good. This is a daily heart check. I have to do this every single day. Be like, man, I did not represent Jesus well in that moment. God, I need you to change me. I need you to fill me. I need you to, to live through me because man, I did not represent God well. Make me selfless. I die to my pride. I die to my flesh every single day. So one cool thing about being made in God's image is that it is not just in our structure, who we are and what we do and all of that, like we just talked about, but it's also in our function. It's that's how we operate on a daily basis every single day. So God's image is actually reflected in us and it allows us to operate here on earth in our earth relationships as God has designed us to. It allows us to act in the same way that God would in those situations. And here's just grazing the surface, just a few examples of how God's image is literally imprinted on us in every way that we act. So in our worship is one of them. Our fellowshipping with God in worship reflects the fellowship that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have with each other. Our worship reflects God's image. And guys, our whole lives should be a spiritual act of worship. It's not just what happens up here on the stage. It's living every single day honoring God. Our lives are a spiritual act of worship. And our relationships, our ability to create and make meaningful relationships with each other imitates God's ability to want to have intimacy with us and have those deep relationships with us. You guys notice that like, we don't all live on like little islands by ourselves. Like, no, I mean, some of you guys might be like, that'd be pretty cool for like a hot second, you know? And they'd be like, I need my friends. We all need that intimacy together. We all need those deep relationships with another. We're built for it. It's literally imprinted on who we are because we are made in God's image. Another cool area that God's image is shown is in creativity. So painting and building and designing and writing stories. God is so creative. Like all you have to do is go outside. God is so creative and his creativity, it's, it's so embedded in who we are that even those, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but even those who like hate God and don't even have a relationship with him, sometimes they can't even help but show God's image in what they create. So let me, let me give you an example. Movies that we see, stories that we see, there's this good versus evil plot line. There's redemption. There's that fighting for the good guy. We want the good guy to win. And there's justice and you want justice to be served. There's adventure, there's logic, there's beauty and all of these stories and art. And that's God's image implanted in us. Even though they can't, they can't help but show God's image in what we create and neither can those who don't know God either. Another cool way is beauty. Our sense of recognizing beauty and our desire to be seen as beautiful, especially for my ladies in here, but also some of the dudes, um, is a reflection of God. And he's literally scattered beauty all all throughout. So he literally has made these like beautiful snow-capped mountains. All you have to do is go out to the beach. Like God could have decided to make the water gray. Like he could have done that. The sky could be gray. Everything could be gray, but he decided to make colors and beauty and like all these cool shells on the ground. And it's awesome. All these cool fish. God's creation is just insane. And it shows his beauty. We have these jaw, like jaw dropping sunsets. God doesn't have to do that, but he desires to be seen as beautiful. And so he did do that. He displays his beauty and that imprint on every single one of us as well. 
So when you and I look in the mirror, we are literally God's masterpiece. And God does not make bad art. So when you look in the mirror, don't diss God's art. Like you are made in his image. And so you are beautiful because he has put his image on you. It's literally imprinted in who you are. So don't diss his art. So let me bring this back all the way to the fun house illustration in the beginning with all the different mirrors. So the quality of each mirror that you stood in front of either gave an accurate or a terrible depiction of who was being reflected. Sometimes the mirror was so distorted that you couldn't even tell who was the, you couldn't even recognize the person that was in the mirror. It was so distorted. So you and I are those mirrors. We can either give those around us an idea of who God is and what he looks like and his character, or we can so distort his image that people completely misunderstand who God is and want to walk away from him all together. Have, uh, have y'all ever heard, this is, this is so sad. Have you guys ever heard someone say, man, I love God, but I hate the church. Anybody? Yeah. Or that they believe in God, but they can't stand Christians or they can't stand people who represent him. I, I heard a quote one time and it, it put it this way. Be careful how you act because you may be the only Bible people read. We represent God. And we can either be a terrible representation of him, and that could be what people read, or we can be an accurate representation of him. God has designed us to reflect his goodness and his glory. We are supposed to be a representation of who he is to this broken world. We're supposed to be that way, but we are not perfect and we can't do it on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to check off boxes or better ourselves or be a religious person or all these things, we will fail no matter how hard we try. So how do we do this? How do you and I, how do we reflect Jesus well? Well, Colossians 3.10 gives us the answer and it's gonna be up here on the screen. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the, in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. That is how we do it, guys. We put on the new self. In and of ourselves, you and I, we can't do anything. We cannot do anything to represent Jesus. But when we allow Jesus to change us from the inside out every single day, he begins to transform us from this distorted, cracked mirror to a whole clear one that depicts him and shows the world who he is accurately. The more time that we spend with him and the more we invite him to change us into this new creation, the more accurately we reflect Jesus every day. In order to represent him well, in order to be a brand ambassador for Jesus that actually represents him well and who he is in his character, we need him. We cannot do this on our own, no matter how hard you try. So guys, I, I wanna leave you with this challenge. It's really, really simple, really simple. So who looks in the mirror every day? Don't lie, don't lie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Even I know you like, you boys at Jensen Beach High School, you don't have mirrors in your bathroom, but I know, I know you do have mirrors at home that you guys probably look at, you know? Don't even, don't even lie. All right, uh, I'm not saying it's in baseball. All right, all right, all right. All right, so here's the deal, guys. So every day this week, when you look at the mirror, every single day, I want you to take a moment 
take a moment and look at your reflection. In that moment, in that moment, I want you to ask Jesus to transform your heart, transform your heart and help you to better reflect him. Take a moment and realize that you're his ambassador and that you are representing him everywhere you go that day, everywhere you go, in the hallways, in the classrooms, at home, everywhere you go. Ask Jesus to change you in such a way that when others look at you, they see him. Um, guys, I'm gonna end with a story and I haven't, I haven't gotten this right a lot in my life. I haven't, every, every day I need God to transform me and to change me because man, some days I'm really negative and complaining. Some days I'm really selfish and prideful. I'm just being honest. Um, one day, uh, a few months ago, I remember I was going with a student. I don't remember who it was, um, but we were going to a, a bakery. And I remember I was just having a really bad day. And all I wanted to do was just like kind of complain and just like, eh, just be, you know, those days where you're like, eh. Does people know? Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so basically it's one of those days. And so I walk into this bakery and before that, in my funk, I asked God, I'm like, God, I just really want people to see you in me today. That's what I want today. I want people to see you in me because I don't have anything left. I have nothing left to give today. And it was so cool because there was a new girl at the counter that day and she was just kind of overwhelmed with all the customers and everything. And there was a lot going on and there was a, kind of some complaining customers. And I was just kind of talking with her and just interacting like normal. And out of the blue, she says to me, she says, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, like, wow. And she said, and I'll never forget this. It stuck with me. She said, I could see Jesus in you. Like I could see him shining through you. And the crazy thing is that that day in and of myself, I was in a funk and I didn't want to do nothing. But God, I asked him to change me. I asked him to be seen through me. And because of that, some random person at a shop saw him in me. And I want that to be our prayer. I want everywhere that you guys go out this week, every day, when you look in that mirror, God, I want people to see you in me. All right, guys, let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you that we're made in your image. God, thank you for who you are. You're so, so, so good. And we... We don't deserve your goodness, God. I pray for every single student this week that they would realize, that we would all realize that we represent you, God. Everywhere we go, we have your name on our jerseys, where we go. And so, Lord, I pray that you would transform our hearts, God, that we would represent you well everywhere we go, that when people look at us, we would reflect your glory and they would see you. We love you, Lord. Here I pray, amen.